somebody say praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen. Um, don't forget, next week we're having our fellowship. So service will be at, we said at 1.30, correct? 1.30. Service will be at 1.30 next Sunday. Everybody say 1.30. 1.30. Service will be at 1.30. Um, it will not be at 11. It will be at 1.30. The weekend after that, we are going to be doing um, our foot washing and communion. That will be at 11. We'll have normal service. And then uh, immediately following that, we're going to take a, a short break. And uh, we're going to get everything ready for uh, foot washing and communion. All right. So um, keep those two things in mind. And uh, we're going we're gonna to have a good time in the Lord and finish out 2019 strong in Jesus. Can you say amen? And uh, praise God. We're going to have a lot of exciting things coming up this year. And uh, so please just uh, keep your ears open for all of that. All right. Let's get right into the word of the Lord. Book of Proverbs chapter 4. Let me just say that I really feel like uh, I've heard from the Lord. And I feel like I have a, a, a good word from God for you. And uh, I'm excited about it. Um, I've been battling uh, some sickness. Thank you, everybody, who made it out Wednesday night. That's uh, a prayer, and I do apologize for the sudden change of plans, but I was, I, I couldn't get off my couch for about a day and a half. So uh, I'm here and uh, ready to preach. All right. Proverbs 4, verse 23, very familiar passage of Scripture. If you have it, say amen. All right, here we go. We got, we got one or two. Book of Proverbs, chapter 4. In verse number 23, this is probably one of the first verses I ever memorized, and uh, I hope that it becomes one of your, your memory verses. All right. Proverbs 4.23 says, Keep thy heart with all diligence. Why? For out of it are the issues of life. And we're going to be talking about a heart condition. A heart condition. Jesus, we thank you for your word. Your word is powerful. Lord, we pray, God, that you would touch us today that you would help us and that you would speak through me, that you might speak to your people. Lord, anoint me today with grace and wisdom. Open up our minds and our hearts in Jesus' name. And everyone shout amen. amen. God bless you. You may be seated. There is a way that the Bible uses language um, that demands for the modern reader, especially those that are reading in English, uh, to either expand or restrict their use of certain words or a word. Uh, the word heart is a perfect example of this. And I would actually tell you that the word heart is a word that uh, everybody should look at very carefully. Um, it is used over 1,000 times in the Bible and in various different forms. Um, the, the word heart in the Bible um, has three different meanings. The first is it refers to the organ that beats inside of our chest. Uh, that is the most practical use of the word. You could see it in Luke 21, 26. The Bible says that men's hearts fail them because of fear. And that, of course, there is speaking of the organ uh, that we have inside of our chest. Um, but it also acts as uh, the place where emotions reside. Um, 
Proverbs 15 and 13 says, A merry heart maketh a cheerful countenance, but by sorrow of the heart the spirit is broken. And you can see there where the heart is the archive of everything from happiness to sadness. All right? But it's also, it's also the place of intellect. It's where thinking happens. Uh, perhaps one of the most uh, classic examples of this, and you'll probably read it uh, this month, uh, if not several times, at least once, is at the birth of Jesus in Luke chapter 2 and verse 19, speaking of Jesus' mother Mary after she had heard that she was going to give birth to the special child. The Bible says that she pondered all these things inside of her heart. So we see that uh, the heart is a place where many different things converge. There's a convergence of intellect, emotion, and, uh, and physical uh, uh, well-being and sickness. Amen. It is, it is an organ. It is also a place of thought and pondering and a place of emotion. And because there is so much activity that takes place inside this single member of our body, there is a lot that can and does go wrong. Uh-huh. The heart is a very busy uh, freeway, if you will. Amen. There's a lot of traffic on the heart. And there's a lot of uh, fender benders, praise uh-huh. God. And there's a lot of accidents that happen. And from the biblical perspective, much of what is wrong Uh, in our lives springs forth from our hearts um, as far as the Bible is concerned. Um, The Bible says, uh, as we just read in our text, that out of the heart is where the issues of life come from. It is out of the heart that the issues of life come from. Our text tells us that for this reason, we should guard our heart with all diligence. We are being admonished here in so many words to know the condition of our heart. And this is not as easy as it may appear. Uh, Even though your heart is yours. Amen. uh, It is often misread. And the signals of the heart actually come through as static to us many times. Amen. And that includes everything from the physical. Amen. To the emotional. To the intellectual. Amen. Uh, You can have a heart condition and it might seem like something totally different. Uh, You might get blurry vision. Not trying to scare nobody. Praise God. Uh, I won't get into this too much. But you might have a little blurry vision and think, man, I need glasses. When you might need a heart transplant. Praise God. And... uh, But emotionally and intellectually, the same happens. Amen. We might have a certain feeling, amen, that we think, well, I'm really upset. But in actuality, we're really hurt. Amen. And we might think one thing and perceive things to be one way, when in reality, they're a totally different way. And the reason uh, that this happens is because our heart is not always forthright or honest. Uh, That is one of the reasons that this happens. Amen. Uh, Jeremiah 17 and 9 says that the heart is deceitful, amen, above all things, and it is desperately wicked. And then he finishes off the verse by saying this, who can know it? Now, one of the interesting things about the heart um, from the Bible's perspective is that the heart has the capacity to do things holy, W-H-O-L-L-Y, holy. The heart can do something or anything, really, for that matter, amen, without reservation, without setbacks, without filters, without restraint. In fact, 
We all know that the first commandment is to love the Lord thy God with all of our heart. And the reason that we're being told to love God with all of our heart is because we are capable of doing so. The scripture is letting us know you can be totally given over to this. You can be passionate about your love for God. You can be totally uh, uh, consumed with the love for God. And this quality of wholeness, of entirety, of, of, of allness, if you will, amen, has positive and negative implications. And I am going to talk to you first about the bad news, amen, because there is bad news, amen. Um, the, the bad news is uh, that the heart has several things that it can do very badly and very holy, amen. Number one, the heart can be hardened. Romans 5, uh, Romans 2 and 5. The heart can be hateful. Amen. Leviticus 19 and 17. The heart can be deceitful. Jeremiah 17 and 9. The heart can be divisive. Proverbs 19 and 21. The heart can even be obstinate. Amen. Deuteronomy 2 and 30. But the good news is, and there's good news, hallelujah, is that the heart can also do things very well. And holy. Amen. Uh, uh, The Bible says uh, that the heart can be stirred. Praise God. If you had a hard heart, you can have your heart stirred. Praise God. Amen. uh, Exodus 35 and 21. You can have a willing heart. Amen. Maybe before you had a hateful heart and a hardened heart and an obstinate heart. But the Bible says you can also have a willing heart. First Chronicles 28 and 9. The Bible says that you can have a truthful and an honest heart. Hallelujah. Psalms 15 and 2. Amen. You can have a loving heart and one that creates, amen, unity rather than division. 1 Peter 1 and 22. You can have a surrendered heart. Proverbs 23 and 26. Amen. I'm telling you the heart is capable of doing things holy. Amen. Both good and bad. Hallelujah. Let's give the Lord a hand and have a praise. So we have these two polarizing forces that live inside of us and uh, where they actually reside, where all those things really reside. uh, It can get confusing to think, well, how do I reconcile this? How do I I determine, amen, uh, what I'm going to carry, how I'm going to behave? Am I going to be wholly good or wholly bad? How do I reconcile these polarizing forces and I I want to tell you today that I think that what the Bible is getting at by letting us know that the heart can be wholly given over to evil and wholly given over to good is that what the Bible is trying to tell us is that the heart can be radically transformed the heart can be radically transformed and although I think the Bible is also letting us know that people can be very dynamic and dimensional I think the more important message is that the heart can undergo radical transformation. Amen. In fact, the Bible is chock full of heart transformations, of heart surgeries. Amen. Of people that were one way and then became another way. The Bible talks to us about a woman at a well in Samaria in John chapter 4, 1 through 42. This is a woman that lived most of her life from man to man, having different relationships, living a promiscuous lifestyle. In fact, when she runs into Jesus, amen, the man she's living with at the time is not her husband either. And Jesus lets her know, I know 
where you're living and with who you're living. Praise God. Amen. And all of a sudden, something happens inside of this woman's heart. Amen. And she goes from, amen, uh, 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 a promiscuous lifestyle to a, a proclaimer of Jesus. Amen. She goes back home and the Bible says she begins to tell everybody, amen, about this man that she met back at the well. Hallelujah. And the Bible talks to us about a woman who was caught in the act of adultery. John 8, 1 and 11. Here's a woman, amen, who uh, I, I don't think it was totally fair because nobody ever talks about the man she was committing adultery with. He somehow got away, but um, she got busted and she got thrown on the ground and she was, uh, she was about to be stoned. Amen. And she had a change of heart right there in front of Jesus. Even though she was living a sinful life just moments before, she begins to weep. Amen. She begins to cry. Amen. And she begins to uh, uh, express faith and gratitude towards Jesus Christ. She had a transformation of heart right there on the spot. And the Bible talks to us about a man who is possessed by a legion of demons. Amen. And he, he slept in the graves. And uh, the Bible says nobody could contain him. He was bound by chains that he would break. He had all kinds of problems. This is in Mark 5, 1 through verses 20. Amen. But at the sight of Jesus, the Bible says he falls at the feet of Jesus. And he begins to weep and to praise and to pray. Amen. And he has a radical transformation of heart. Amen. He is changed from, from a menace. Amen. And, 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 and a troublesome tormented man amen to a worshiper of jesus amen and not only a worshiper a declarator of the gospel amen in fact jesus tells him amen go back to your city and tell everybody what god has done for you and the bible says that straightway he went into decapolis and began to publish it abroad all that jesus had done to him amen hallelujah the bible talks to us about a man named nicodemus amen who comes to jesus as a religious elite amen and begins to uh, pepper jesus with all kinds of questions about his doctrine and um to be honest, I think most theologians agree that Nicodemus's uh, initial intentions may have been less than pure. Amen. But as he begins to talk to Jesus, he realizes, I'm not just talking to an ordinary man here. I'm talking to somebody who, who, who can divulge one of the greatest secrets of life, and that is how to have your heart transferred. How to have, how to heart, how to have your heart transformed. Amen. And Jesus begins to tell him, Nicodemus, I got news for you. At your old age, you can be transformed. Amen. You don't have to... You don't have to continue living the way you're living. Amen. And, uh, and the Bible goes on to say in, in John 7 and 50, in John 19 and 38 and 9 uh, through 39, that Nicodemus now becomes a supporter of Jesus. Amen. In fact, it's Nicodemus and, and uh, Joseph of Arimathea that put up the money for Jesus' tomb. And it's Nicodemus who now becomes this, amen, uh, this, this, this professor of Christ. Hallelujah. Why? Because he had his heart transformed. Formed. Yeah. Amen. Amen. The Bible talks to us perhaps uh, the two most um, famous examples of this would be Saul of Tarsus and King Saul. Amen. Both of these men had radical transformations of heart. Amen. Saul of Tarsus, of course, we know could not maintain that transformation. I mean, Saul, uh, King Saul could not maintain that transformation, but Saul of Tarsus did. Amen. In fact, Saul of Tarsus kept that transformation so near and dear to himself. Amen. Hallelujah. That he eventually became the Apostle Paul. Amen. And, uh, and he became a great preacher of the gospel. You can read about this in Acts chapter 9, 1 through 31. Of all the wonders and all the amazing things of the heart, in my personal opinion, the most amazing thing about your heart and mind 
is that it can be transformed. I just feel like I should have got a bigger amen about that. Your heart can be transformed. Your thoughts, your emotions, your intellect, everything that is you can be transformed. We don't have to surrender, amen, to the whims and the waves of our emotions. We don't have to blame society for all of our behaviors. We don't have to blame genetics for all of our behaviors. Amen. We don't have to, we don't necessarily have to die the way we were born. Amen. We don't have to be a Johnson our whole life. We don't have to be a Prado or a Willoughby or a Harris. Amen. We could die something totally different, something radically different. Hallelujah. Amen. We don't have to have the same temperament and the same mood swings. Amen. That our family has had typically and is known for. Hallelujah. Amen. We can we can be that one person that says, well, yeah, he's a Johnson, but he a different Johnson. Hallelujah. Here's a different. You're you just seen a different kind of a Rocha. Praise God. Hallelujah. You you can have that. In Jesus. In Jesus. Proverbs, I mean, Psalms 51 and 10. The psalmist says, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Ezekiel 36 and 26 says, A new heart also will I give you, and a new spirit will I put within you, and I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh, and I will give you a heart of flesh. Your heart can be transformed. Amen. I want to read to you out of Ephesians 4 and 22, and I'm going to read a different translation because I want everybody here to hear uh, what this scripture says. Um, Ephesians 4 and 22, it says, you were told, you were told that your foolish desires will destroy you and that you must give up your old ways and your old life with all of its bad habits. Let the spirit change your way of thinking and make you into a new person. You were created to be like God. And so you must please him and be truly holy. We are part of the same body. Stop lying. Start telling each other the truth. Don't get so angry that you sin. Don't go to bed angry and don't give the devil a chance. If you are a thief, quit stealing. Be honest. Work hard so you will have something to give to people who are in need. Stop all your dirty talking. Say the right thing at the right time and help others by what you say. Don't make God's spirit sad. The spirit makes you sure that someday you will be free from your sins. Stop being bitter and angry and mad at others. Don't yell at one another or curse each other or even be rude to one another. Instead, be kind, be merciful, be forgiving, just as God forgave you because of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. That's the kind of heart you can have. That's the kind of spirit the Lord wants to give you. He wants to free you from dirty talking. He wants to free you from bitterness and from anger and from resentment. He want, But you know how that happens? You got to be renewed and changed by the spirit. It doesn't happen. Amen. Just by it doesn't happen just by positive thinking or positive affirmations. And I'm all for that. Sometimes you got to tell yourself, girl, get up. 
Sometimes you got to tell yourself, man, shake yourself. Uh But you know what? But that's not where the real change is going to come. The real change is going to come. The real transformation is going to come by the Spirit. Hallelujah. It's by the Spirit of God. Hallelujah. It was the Spirit of God that changed Saul. It was the Spirit of God that changed the woman at the well. It was the Spirit of God that changed. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. The maniac of Gadara. It was the Spirit of God. Amen. That changed all 12 apostles. It was the Spirit of God. Amen. That converted and transferred and transformed people. Amen. From darkness to light. Amen. Hallelujah. From the hands of Satan to the hands of God. Hallelujah. We can be. Everybody say we can be. And we must be. Everybody say we must be. We must be born again. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. We have to be born again. Hallelujah. Amen. Uh, Jathan, how old are you? 13 years old. Amen. I had no hesitation about going to meet with Jaden. Uh, Jathan at, at, at Pete's Coffee and giving him a Bible study about baptism because children need to be transformed. Yeah, yeah. Amen. That's right. Yes. Kids who have only been alive a few years need to be born again as quickly as possible. Amen. Hallelujah. I got a seven-year-old. I'm trying to convince her she needs to be born again. Uh-huh. Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. We talk, we, talk, we talk this to our children. Hallelujah. Adults, we need to be born again. Hallelujah. Praise God. I, I appreciate, amen, when we met Brother Robert, and Brother Robert was already, had already made great strides, amen, to improve his life. He had already used all the resources that God had given him, but he still needed to be born again. Hallelujah. He didn't want to die the way he was born. Praise God. He was, he was ready to be transformed. Praise God. Hallelujah. You got to be born again. And there's only two ways to do that, according to the scripture. Number one, you have to be baptized. Amen. You've got to be baptized. Children, adults, we've got to be baptized. Hallelujah. When I met Brother Cameron, Brother Cameron had already been to church and uh, has a dad that's, that's been talking to him about God for years now. And Brother Cameron still remembers the first time he ever prayed to Jesus as a child. But he still needed to be born again. He still needed that baptism. He still needed that infilling of the Spirit. you got to have that. Hallelujah. Jesus said, unless a man or a woman is born again of water and the Spirit, they cannot see. They cannot enter the kingdom of God. You've got to be born again. You've got to get baptized. Amen. You've got to receive the Holy Ghost. You'll know when you have the Holy Ghost. You will speak in other tongues as the Spirit of God gives you the utterance. But now let me get to where we're living. Sometimes you need to be born again again. (laughs) Hallelujah. Praise God. We need to be born again again. That's a whole other message. And we'll we'll come back when when we're not so uh, crunched for time. Praise God. Sometimes we got to be born again again. And I, I, don't, I don't really have time to get into all that, that, that comes with being born again again. But I want to I wanna, I wanna tell you that sometimes when you're living for God, you get off track. And you, you swerve off the, the path. And all of a sudden you're, you thought it was a shortcut and it ended up being the wrong route. And sometimes you just realize, man, I was, I've been swerving behind the wheel. And I, I ran into some things. We have to be restored. Restored. We have to be transformed and restored. I'm, I'm very serious about what I'm about to tell you right now. This is critical. 
Galatians 6, 1 says, Brethren, if a person, a man or a woman, be overtaken in a fault, you which are spiritual, restore. Everyone say restore. Restore. Restore such a one in the spirit of what? Meekness. And it, I'm, I'm going to tell you right now, your restoration, if you feel that there's an area in your life that needs restoring, and maybe you feel like everything needs restoring, maybe you just feel like one or two things need restoring. I'm going to tell you something. Your ability to be restored is dependent on your ability to be talked to by somebody else. Amen. 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 That's right. Amen. The scripture says that people are restored when somebody who is spiritual talks to them right. in the spirit of meekness. Amen. Amen. That's good. And there's a whole we and we we do need to preach it, and I do preach it. If you feel like you were called to restore somebody, do me a favor and do them a favor. Be nice about it. Be kind about it. Be spiritual and meek. But I'm not talking about that today. But I do want to talk about being the recipient. And that is that we have to understand I'm in a bad situation. And I'm not getting out by myself. I'm going to need somebody to show me where the exit is. I'm going to need somebody to be accountable to. I'm going to need somebody who can talk to me. I'm going to have to receive it. I have to. Because I need restoration. You know, the devil, the devil loves the secret places. I'm going to be, I'm going to be frank with you. It, it's, it saddens me how many times I've looked over my own life. And I've thought, man, I've been suffering in a lot of silence. Needless silence. All because I didn't want to talk to my wife. All because I didn't want to talk to a good friend. Amen. And yeah, and there are times I talk to a good friend instead of my wife. Because I don't want to freak my wife out. <laughs> and so sometimes I have to talk to a good friend. And tell a good friend, hey, this is where I'm at. I'm not afraid to tell you as, as the pastor of this church. I'm not afraid to tell you. There's been a lot of times I called my friend and said, man, pray for me. This is where I'm at. This is what I'm feeling. And I'm crying the whole time. And there's been a lot of times I've had to tell my wife, I'm afraid. I don't feel secure. I feel insecure. I feel this, that. I feel, please pray for me. You know why? Amen. Because I want to be restored. Amen. I want the joy. I want the joy back. Hallelujah. I want the strength back. Hallelujah. I want healing back. Hallelujah. I want I want blessings back. Amen. Sometimes it's okay. You know what? It is perfectly okay to tell your pastor, to tell your friend, to tell your prayer partner, to tell a lady in the church or a man in the church that you want to link up with in prayer, to tell them, hey, you know what? I am I meant my car is in a ditch and I put it there. I didn't listen to you. I didn't listen to the pastor. I didn't listen to my wife. I didn't listen to my health. I didn't listen to nobody. The car's in the hole and I put it there. And if you'll help me get it out, I'd really appreciate it. Because you'd be surprised. You'd be surprised how many of us have few cars in the ditch. Hallelujah. But we got them out. And I got, I got and, and you know what? We got it out by calling on somebody. We got it out by calling on somebody. 
This is where we're really living. I want you to be restored. I want whatever you've lost to be given back. But it's not going to be given back. Let me tell you something. A lot of people confuse two things. A personal relationship with Jesus with a private relationship with Jesus. You are not to have a private relationship with Jesus. You are to have a personal relationship with Jesus. The Bible says that the scripture is of no private interpretation. I got people that I pastor, you are not here, they are not here right now in this building, but I got people that I pastor, they have a private relationship with Jesus. You cannot talk to them about their faults, you cannot talk to them about their problems, you cannot talk to them about their interpretation of a scripture, which is wrong in English, Spanish, and Hebrew and Greek. You cannot talk to them about it. They have made up their mind, come to their own conclusions. They're not trying to hear that. You do not get into a private relationship with Jesus. It's okay to have a personal relationship with Jesus, but don't get you into a private relationship with Jesus. Because once we start talking private, we start talking no trespassing. We start talking about no restoration, essentially. This is my private space, and you are not coming in. I don't care if you have a word from God. I don't care if you're going to give me the Bible itself. You're in the private zone. You're in the private sector. This is a bad place to be. You know, it's funny. We surrender our privacy on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, and all of a sudden when it comes to church, we're private. Don't invite nobody over our house. Don't want any close contact with church folk. Keep stuff locked up. But telling everybody on Facebook your social security number and your birthday and the name of your oldest child. And you get private up in here. Ridiculousness. Don't do that. You're going to hurt yourself. Amen. Hallelujah. Have a personal relationship with Jesus, but don't be afraid to reach out to the public body of Christ for help when you need it. Can you shout amen? Come on, let's praise Jesus right now. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Let's all stand. Praise God.